Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is my co-host, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we have a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. In fact, you know, Ben, I would call you the engine of this duo, and I'm more like the transmission. I just help shift gears into, you know, the appropriate topic. What, what, would you agree with that? I find your metaphor mixed and confusing, so I'm just going to zip past that. Um, what, what, what are we going to talk about today? What is, what is burning in your mind that you want to get out there? What is burning in my mind? Well, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. For example, um, a company called Volvo has made another company called Polestar, and they've decided to make a car as well. Um, there's an upcoming Toyota hydrogen car that has a very funny name. Um, you'll finally be able to smell like a Mazda or a Mazda, depending on where you're from. That's true. And um, we got a little glimpse into the upcoming Jeep Wrangler. I also think you have something uh, very interesting to talk about. Yeah, well, I, I drove a, interesting, right? I, I drove a couple Malibus, and we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Very cool. So let's start it off with the Polestar high-performance hybrid coupe. It's called the Polestar 1. And this is a – so you and I, we've driven some cars that have had the Polestar name before, and they're usually associated with Volvos. So typically Polestar is Volvo's sort of high-performance arm. Well, and they, now they're kind of they, – They started out as a, as a race shop that was right. building race vehicles for Volvo. And then they officially, I think it was 2015, they became part of Volvo, but they kept the race part independent. So mm -hmm. the vehicle development stuff, Volvo bought all of that. And the racing team, I believe they're still racing Volvos, but it's not, it's not a wholly owned enterprise. Well, this time around, they're going to put their, their name and only their name on some interesting high-performance hybrids. And how high-performance is high-performance? This is a 600 horsepower plug-in hybrid, and it's got over 730 pound-feet of torque. That's kind of nuts, isn't it? What else is kind of nuts is it's using that same 2-liter, 4-cylinder, supercharged, turbocharged engine that's in every single Volvo these days, isn't it? It's, just, it's the same. It's a version of that motor. Right. It's called the, the Drive E motor, and um, I couldn't quite confirm whether or not it's using the twin-charged setup, but I know that it's... It, it very likely is. There's no way it isn't, in fact. Um, there's some really interesting stuff to talk about this car. It's a plug-in hybrid, and it has what is, or at least what Polestar is, is saying, the highest electric-only range for a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Um, that means it makes it has 93 miles of electric range, and or 150 kilometers, um, which is pretty cool. Not exactly exciting, but um, that's one element of Polestar that they're going to be chasing, this kind of electrified um, brand. Um, but the other really interesting part of this car is that it has a carbon fiber body, um, which is kind of nuts. And that'll probably pair really well with the hybrid aspect of this vehicle. You know, hybrid cars are typically pretty heavy. Um, making this car with a, uh, a carbon fiber body will help keep the weight down, that's for sure. There, there's some weird stuff about this car, too, though. There's a couple things that I noticed. Right away, in profile, the car looks almost exactly like a Mercedes-Benz, specifically a Mercedes SL with the top up. It's mm -hmm. got that chop front, chop rear, like really short deck in the back. Even the curvature of the roof is the same. And I don't really have a problem with derivative styling in this segment. There's not a lot of differentiation amongst the Germans. So when you start to look at Volvo wanting to play in that area, I guess it makes kind of makes sense that they do that. But the other thing is Polestar 1 is perhaps the worst name for a brand new car <laughs> I can think of. Like, honestly, that's the name you would give to a spaceship in a 1970s low-budget drama. It's just... 
it's not creative whatsoever. And not that any other Volvo vehicle names are creative, the V60, S60, whatever. At least those have some form of heritage. They've been around for a decade and a half, at least two decades in some cases. I, I just... You, you want to make a splash, and I guess, you know, a huge amount of horsepower and torque does that. But at the same time, give me something to grab onto, Polestar. It's, this is your big chance to, this is your coming out party into the world. And the final thing, the final point that kind of sticks in my craw is this is your a... Your craw is very sticky. It is it? sticky today, especially when we're talking about this Polestar 1. I can't believe I keep saying that. It's it's almost like, or it's like a, a British radio show coming up next on Polestar 1. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it, this is a full-size luxury coupe. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's based on the S90 platform, or at least the, the same platform that Volvo uses in all their cars. Um, it's it's much shorter, though. It's, it is big, but it's much shorter than the S90. So um, I don't have the numbers exactly in front, in front of me, but um, I don't, it looks bigger than I think it is. Well, the reason I bring up the fact that it's a full-size luxury coupe, or that it's a luxury coupe, period, is because no one buys these vehicles. Yeah. Even, even the 3 Series, sorry, the 4 Series now, which is based on the 3 Series, which is BMW's bestseller, it's a very low-volume vehicle in comparison to other luxury cars. Two-door cars are not popular. SUVs are popular. And I and Volvo seemed to get that when they brought out the S90, sorry, the uh, the XC90 a couple of years ago as mm-hmm. their, hey, we're into design now and we're doing something very different. And they led with that, and it makes a lot of sense. And then for Polestar to do this, um, you know, it... There's one other thing you didn't mention, Sammy, about this vehicle that I think is very important when we're wow, talking. Wow, way to throw me under the bus there, Ben. There's one other thing that Sammy didn't do his job or due <laughs> yeah, diligence. I thought we had more time. We're not under any time <laughs> So, So what Sammy <laughs> neglected to mention when not providing you with all the information you needed about the Polestar 1 is that you can't buy it. Yeah, so that, that's the whole thing. You were going off about how nobody buys these cars. Nobody's going to buy it. Don't worry about nobody. it. Nobody. And, okay. and how many How many are they making? 500? 500 a year. Uh, and the reason you can't buy it is because it's going to be available on a subscription uh, subscription model, which sounds like a fancy lease. Haven't you always wanted to su- – yeah, I mean I, I, I can't count on – I not do not have enough fingers to count how many people have come up to me and said, hey, Ben, when am I going to be able to subscribe to a luxury car? Yeah, it's it's just so there's in recent memory, what other company has done this whole, hey, you can't buy it, but you can drive a thing. Okay, you can't buy it or is this like a you you can't buy it. You can't buy it. I remember the original Lexus LFA was a a lease only vehicle, I think, for two years. You couldn't buy it. It was. And it was a weird lease, too, where if at the end of the lease, um, if you did buy it, I think that. Toyota had the right to buy the car from you if you ever sold it. They had like the right of first refusal and they were trying to keep people from buying them and hoarding them and then selling them later at a huge markup, right? But what ended up happening is people just didn't buy the car. And I think there are still brand new LFAs available on the market in certain dealerships in the United States. At least last year there still were. So it can backfire on you if you're doing this kind of thing. And this whole subscription thing, I think Volvo's really jumping the gun with this. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they're making any money whatsoever on this vehicle. It's no. it's uh, the level of technology that we see. Uh, it's being built in China, which is mm-hmm. good for them. I, I know that that'll uh, their parent company has a huge industrial base there, and they're going to save some money there. But it just seems like this is a really big gamble, and that's fine. 
but Volvo is not a very large company, and sometimes when you gamble, you can lose big. I don't know. Help me out here, Sammy. Uh, I think the performance will be the. Uh, I think what it's trying to be is is a is a halo car in some way or another to the overall Volvo brand. Both Polestar and Volvo will need this uh, going forward. The the hybrid capabilities seem pretty impressive, and I don't know if you've been in any of the Volvo hybrids, um, like the X ninety. Uh, XC90 uh, T8. T8. I have, yeah. Uh, and it has quite a bit of motor in it. And, it does, um, it does. It's, it's it the best version like, of that vehicle. And it, Wow, really? I thought it was kind of expensive. but Well, I um, mean, if you're, okay, in a world where you're subscribing to a Polestar 1. <laughs> this yeah, is, it, I suppose it, that, that <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they're, they're, they, they definitely deliver good cars, but maybe not the most exciting cars. And Polestar 1, which if it had a better name could probably bring some more interest to the, the Volvo vehicles as a whole. And there's always um, the danger. People are just going to wait for Polestar 2. And Polestar 2 and Polestar 3 are actually going to be two different types of vehicles. Uh, I believe they're going to be battery electric vehicles and a battery electric um, style crossover. Is Polestar like, 4 going to be a submarine? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they apparently don't have uh, four Polestars in the in the product uh, presentation. So what but do you think? Well, do you think that this whole Polestar naming system makes any sense? Do you think that the name has any cachet past the performance side? Do you think that people are going to be like, I don't know, if you're gonna, if you're bringing out a, it's tough. Like you can't necessarily need a name, right? It needs, it needs a name. It needs a name, but, but, people, but what, apparently nobody wants real names anymore. Everyone wants an alphanumeric name, so this couldn't be the Polestar Super Valkyrie or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, even backing away from that, the idea is, it, it's not a Volvo. It's a Polestar, right? Right. A Polestar has no real cachet in North America. It's it's a very niche. They only bring over a hundred Polestars every year. Mm-hmm. And th- those are the the V60 and the S60 special edition wagon and sedans, and those cars are bought up by people who already know what Polestar is because they're Volvo fanatics, and, and are also spending a lot of money on on that on that opportunity. Because they are limited edition cars. They are, and previously Polestar and still Polestar offers tuning for Volvos at the dealership. You can get a bunch of upgrade packages. So if you're in the Volvo universe, you kind of know what Polestar is. But if you're outside the Volvo universe, like almost everybody, <laughs> you're 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 gonna this. Polestar thing is brand new. So it's almost like they said, hey, we're not sure people will be down to pay a huge amount of subscription fees for a Volvo. And they were like, what are we going to do? How about we create something totally new that no one's ever really heard of, but kind of has heard of? It's kind of like what Mercedes did with um, Maybach. Okay. Yeah. You know, like they took a very niche or very like in the know name and made it and are trying to make it a little bit more accessible. Yeah, well, I, I think Maybox may be a bad example because absolutely no one knew what that was. It was it was such... No, but I mean, the company had been dead for like, what, 100 years, 80 years, something like that. So that was a little that was a little out there. At least Polestar is, an, is a going concern, you know? <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting. I can't wait to see what this car is like um, to drive. It it seems I mean the performance seems interesting I have to, I can't wait to see it, like how how heavy it really is, um, and the some of the elements of it I mean giant six piston brakes, um, continuously that... continuously controlled electronic suspension, um, and yeah come on carbon fiber body on on something on a Volvo that's pretty cool. Well the carbon fiber body is cool but it makes you wonder why you need six piston brakes if it's not heavy. No, it's going to be heavy. I, I can I can imagine that. It just depends how heavy. Um, the other element, the other thing that I wanted to wonder, or I was wondering, was Volvo had this uh, belief that, or this mantra that no one will be seriously 
hurt or injured in a car by 2020. Is that, I think it was Vision 2020 or something like that? Tell that to the asteroids. <laughs> uh, in their car, in related to their car. Um, so maybe they'll be, they'll be ready for that. Um, I bring that up because this is a pretty fast car. And um, I wonder if that, is, if, if that could also relate to that safety technology or that safety feature. Well, you know, the one thing that's missing from all this Polestar 1 hoopla is any mention of autonomy. Right, that's what I mean. Um, so that's that's an interesting point that you bring up because Volvo's kind of been all about that and there's no mention not only is there no mention of autonomy but there's no discussion of safety features whatsoever uh, which is fine because maybe they just assume that we assume that it will have what every luxury car already has and I can I'm okay with that or maybe Polestar is going to be a brand that is divorced from Volvo's safety first mantra as you put it. Um yeah I I honestly I'm I'm very interested and you know what I think I might have heard something recently about uh you know in terms of them with safety I think they might have a nuclear fallout detecting paint but uh, I I'll have to look into that um, Are you are you being serious there because I would totally buy that paint <laughs> I Wait, think so I'll look, yeah but it depends like how long it takes for the paint to uh to work like is my hair already falling out by the time the paint changes color to bright lime green like how does you know th there needs to be a reasonable um a reasonable warning i guess oh, like yeah. more than 30 maybe minutes I made this, maybe i made this up completely <laughs> did you just did you have a dream about volvo making some radioactive paint Remember yeah, when Nissan? Remember when Nissan had that self-healing paint, and everyone was super excited about it, and then no one ever talked about it ever again. I know that was cool. Why did that not? Why did that disappear? I want to say it was available on some of their SUVs for a while, and might still be available. Mm. But it's just like it's almost like they just said, "Hey, market this for for ten seconds." <laughs> and then yeah, that was it. Um, I also wanted to bring up, you know, we were talking about a car uh, or a brand that doesn't have a lot of um. It doesn't have a lot of value with today's buyers and people, you know, in that market of, of luxury vehicles, they're not always gunning for the Volvo brand. But let's talk about a, a car company that kind of or a brand that kind of makes up its parent company. And by that, I mean Jeep. Jeep is Jeep is like the the highlight of the Fiat Chrysler uh, automobiles group. Am I wrong? Like it's this very is the, profitable for them. It's the it's the thing that people recognize and and I think have a lot of respect for. And in particular, the iconic Jeep is the Wrangler. And we're very excited to know or to talk to you about um, an upcoming Wrangler. We found some leaked documents that share a little bit of the information um, about the Wrangler and some really interesting aspects to it. Uh, for one, it's going to look more or less very similar to what you currently see in a Jeep, but there's some interesting aspects that we saw in this. In this um, it was actually an owner's manual um, that you might find kind of neat. Uh, for example, it has like a power removable roof, which is kind of, it's or, or yeah, a power removable um, or retractable roof. Kind of sounds like the, the fabric roof in a Fiat 500C, <laughs> which doesn't sound very fantastic, but hey, that's something. <laughs> Um, there's also going to be what I actually think is really interesting is there's going to be uh, pre-wired auxiliary switches and Jeep owners are are notorious for for modifying their cars with uh, or their Jeeps with extra elements like new lights or maybe a winch or something like that which has to get power from the from the vehicle in some way and as a result they end up putting some kind of uh, makeshift switch somewhere in the car. This will actually have some embedded switches in the car and I think that's really cool. Well, it's you know it, it's it's useful, but it's nothing you haven't been able to get in a pickup for like a decade. 
Um, an auxiliary switch? Yes. Oh absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe the the Raptor and the Super Duty have these uh, currently. I yeah, don't know a, about any any of the other ones. No, there's lots of trucks that have this available. Um, it's because if anyone is buying an HD pickup, is most likely adding things like you you described a winch, but also plow equipment and that kind of thing. So it's, it's oh, not right. uncommon. Absolutely. Um, there's also I think one of the more interesting aspects of the car is that for once you're gonna have an engine option. Um, when picking up a Wrangler. But it's a sad engine option. Get ready for this, people. It's a two-liter, four-cylinder turbocharged engine womp, that, requires, that requires premium gas or re- <laughs> recommends premium gas, um, which doesn't seem very Jeep-like at all. Well, but, it's it's it's. I think they're hearkening back to the days of the four-liter <laughs> straight six, which was <laughs> which was stout but un- unimpressive in a straight line. It was a great engine that would run forever, but you aren't going to snap anyone's head back. Um, and there's some other elements to the car. Uh, it has removable doors. The front window uh, folds down. Um, and I think it's going to be a little bit quicker or easier to do than um, the last iteration to the car, which is, I think, pretty pretty neat. Something else that's a little weird is people are suggesting that the manual transmission might only be available with the V6. So if you do order that uh, entry-level turbocharged four-cylinder engine... You're going to have to get an automatic. And, you know, some people like off-roading with automatics and some people like off-roading with a clutch. And these are two camps that don't really speak to each other. And you're not going to have that choice necessarily if you buy the four-cylinder engine. There's also going to be, like, removal, other removable body pa- panels. Like, um, you know, the, the bumper will have, like, the corners of it are, are reportedly to be remo- going to be removable so that the car will almost have, like, infinite approach angles, which is kind of cool. Um, but I don't know. Are, are you thinking of? Oh wait, there's also one other element that I should bring up. This car might come as a as a pickup body, or at least have a pickup bed, uh, in one way or another, in one out one body style or another. I think yes. that's kind of cool. That'll definitely goose their sales a little bit. Uh, it also helped the fact so so Chrysler doesn't have, Ram doesn't have a, a midsize truck. Mm-hmm. The the Dakota's been dead for quite a while. Right, so, and midsize trucks are just mass. It's just a, it's a huge market, right? Well, it's not huge, but it's it's significant. So mid-sized the, trucks seem like the luxury coupe of this like, pickup <laughs> truck market. They, well, you know, Toyota <laughs> sells two hundred fifty thousand a year, so that's okay. that's decent. And and I think Jeep could probably eat into at least some of that. I think you'll see conquest for Jeep, but they're in a tough spot with the Wrangler. I mean, it's like any retro design where it's hard to evolve stylistically, except for the fact that it's not a retro design. It's just a design that has never really changed. It's the right. Porsche 911 of the SUV world. And the the real issue for Jeep is how do they move forward and meet modern safety and fuel economy requirements without sacrificing things like the solid front and rear axles and the off-roading capability. These are That's a huge challenge. So it'll be really interesting to see what this vehicle is like. How, like you said, it doesn't really seem that different. In the engine bay, we've got some choice now. We have some different body panels, but in terms of rugged design, I mean, Jeep's made changes in the past where they've, you know, front and rear suspensions have been updated and they've gone back and forth on a few things. But how different will this car be to drive? Because right now, I like the Wrangler, but it's terrible to drive every day. It's it's not anything like any other SUV. It, it, it had that front solid front axle really informs the driving experience in a way you won't experience anywhere else. Right. It's a, it's a very um, involving driving experience, let's say that. Uh, but I think a lot of people buy – I mean, it's got to be one of the more popular vehicles in their lineup, and, and especially it, it just embodies the Jeep um, brand. And um, I, see, I see a lot of people driving these things, and they also are really multipurpose in terms of when they can be driven and where. Uh, people 
just love the capability of these. Is there anything that you wish, like based on based on you know your your I would call you a very well versed man in the in the world of automobiles and and SUVs. Tell me, is there something that you would like to see in this Jeep? You know, it's hard to answer that question because you start changing too many things in a Jeep and you just end up with what we already have on offer from other automakers. <laughs> the, Jeep, the Jeep exists kind of, the, the Wrangler exists kind of out of time. If you want something that's not the Wrangler, Jeep has that too. You can buy a Renegade, you can buy a, uh, a Cherokee, you can buy a Grand Cherokee, all, you can buy a Patriot, but I wouldn't suggest you do that. <laughs> it's, there's, there's a lot of choice available from Jeep. So th- there's diminishing returns for them to quote-unquote normalize the Wrangler. As long as they can keep the Wrangler safe from, the, and, and, from NHTSA's point of view, as long as they can keep it so it's not killing corporate average fuel economy too hard, and as long as people are willing to accept the compromises that go with the type of uh, platform that it has, then I think they're going to do okay with it. I don't think there's anything really like, you know, I find it tough to drive. If I had to drive it every day, I would probably get frustrated with it. But it's also fun to drive every day because, you know, people like seeing Wranglers and they smile and wave at you. And it's just a neat vehicle. And a lot of that is because it's not like anything else. Um. Okay, so you you don't have much to you don't have much to add here. What about three windshield wow. wipers like the wow. old Cruiser, huh? <laughs> All right, what do you have to add? Let's let's three, hear your three windshield wipers. I need them. I need you three want, wipers. What the hell? Three? What do three windshield wipers do? Well, Wait, is it, it one it... on the front and two on the sides? Like one like a yeah, big like Mercedes not? style center? <laughs> That would you be know pretty what? cool. All I think about it, when I think of the Wrangler is I think of one of its uh, biggest competitors that is no longer available. That's the Toyota FJ Cruiser. And I had a lot of fun with this car uh, or this SUV. And it had all sorts of very adorable cute uh, quirks, including this three, these three tiny windshield wipers. Um, and I, I, I'm just being a little I'm, – I'm making a bit of a joke. I think the Wrangler is a, is a very niche vehicle and it, fits, it suits its market. And you're right. If it can evolve while, while maintaining – um, the the brand image that it has with its with its fans, and uh, while also becoming or staying safe and interesting for uh, the future of the vehicle, like staying in terms of fuel economy and safety, then um, that's all it needs to do. What well, else? I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad we've decided. I'm glad we've decided. <laughs> um. I think I, I mean I'm in, I'm looking forward to driving this. I think it will probably maybe it'll pop up at the Ali Auto Show, which is near the end of next month. Ooh, it's possible. I mean, if there's a manual out, that, if this is real, this manual, which it really seems to be, then they could be very close to production. Although they, you know, why not save it for Detroit hometown, make a splash kind of deal? They have mm-hmm. a history of doing that. Jeep does anyway. So, but they, it also, they, but like LA or at least California has a really neat off-roading um, um, demographic, don't, don't well, they? Wasn't Trackhawk released in Detroit? I think so. Yes. And uh, Grand Cherokee back in. No, I don't. No, New York was uh, Demon. Okay, I'm honest. Were they both there? I can't remember. In any case, I know when they did Grand Cherokee, and they drove through the the front of the the Kobo Center, and everyone was amazed by that. It, it's it's yeah, little hometown pride, I think. All right, um, but you know what? I was talking about the Toyota FJ Cruiser. Um, FJ Cruiser is a uh, is is a car that's no longer available, and it's had an it's it's just another one of these really weird names from Toyota, the FJ. Um, before the before the FJ Toyota's pickup or Toyota's uh, SUV, I think was called the BJ, and uh, that's when they were just making knockoff Jeeps. What I'm trying to say here is Toyota's not very good at making really interesting names, I think, and uh, they kind of proved that because 
this uh, this upcoming Tokyo Motor Show, they're unveiling a hydrogen kind of van, and they've described it as, or it's it's actually called the Fine Comfort Ride. Fine Comfort Ride. First of all, when you say the words hydrogen and van in the same sentence, I get super excited. I know, I know, I know that we we're talking to the hydrogen van enthusiast right now. Um, the Fine Comfort Ride, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it seems like a poorly translated like remember the when they made the Mitsubishi Starion? <laughs> you know, I, the mean, whole I don't story? remember when they made it, but tell me. <laughs> so in the eighties they made the Mitsubishi Starion, which is like a two door turbocharged coupe. They sold it as the Chrysler Conquest as well. And it was a pretty cool car, but the urban legend is that it was mistranslated from Stallion and they ended up with Starion. And they never changed it, and so they it was by the time someone figured it out in the corporate office, they just went with it. <laughs> so I'm wondering if like fine comfort ride wasn't just like some executive's low key way of describing the vehicle, and and a junior executive was like, oh, it's called the fine comfort ride, and then by the time they got to the Tokyo Motor Show, it was just too late, and now it is the fine comfort ride, and it doesn't matter because it's a hydrogen van that will never be built. <laughs> they can call it anything. Yeah, so I was wondering what names do you think were left on the on the um, or what names are left on the Toyota cutting room floor? Well, uh, they probably. To... I mean, the Toyota Stabby McStabs a lot. I think that was probably a vetoed right away. Yeah. Um, I think the Toyota almost second base. Um, I think that was gone. Yeah. I don't. That think was they... before the Toyota BJ, right? That's right. I think that. Oof. <laughs> I... <laughs> it's it's hard to say. I mean, Toyota has such a history of. What what do you think? Oh, I know that the Supra was going to be called the Toyota Oral Engagement, <laughs> following up on your on your calls last time. Um, well, I don't know why they just don't call cars Camry 2 and Cam- or, or Corolla 2. Corolla 2. Just it, it, build on their best name. Plate I mean, if we can it. have a Polestar 1, why can't we yeah. have a Corolla 2? Exactly. In fact, why don't they call the – why don't they – I mean, I've always wondered why they don't just call their cars, you know – those their vehicles have such name brand recognition. Can't, everyone knows a Corolla. Everyone knows a Camry. Um, yeah, I don't know why they don't make the Camry Cross or the or the Corolla <laughs> SUV. Cam- well, they made the Camry. So remember when they made the Cross Tour? Um, the Cross Tour. I thought that was a Honda. It, yeah, the Honda Cross Tour. That's what I'm saying. So the oh, Toyota, yeah. Toyota it came out the with Honda Accord Cross Tour, right? Yeah, and but Toyota did come out with the Camry Cross, except they called it the Venza. Yeah. Which I think is which I think is like a total a total uh, missed opportunity, like you're saying. I mean, yeah. it, 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 do you think that in when they were developing this van, they came up with the semi comfort ride, and yeah, then they were sure. like, someone like... someone slammed their fist and was like, no, it has to be full <laughs> comfort ride, and then there was just silence in the room, and then someone was like, what about? Ultra Design Comfortron 2K. And then the other guy was like, he was just like, or lady, it was just like, you're reaching for the stars when you can barely grasp the moon. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can't wait for the TRD, you know, Toyota Racing Division. They're eventually going to make a, a <laughs> version of the Fine Comfort Ride, which will be called the Stiffer Uncomfortable Ride, I think. TRD Race Ride Global. That's what I was like. TRD Race <laughs> Um, That'd be awesome. I think well, that, I that the Corolla too. Put him in the driveway, and, and I'll but, be happy. But even like the recent concept, there was another concept that they're bringing to the Toyota or the Tokyo Motor Show called the the TJ Cruiser, the R2 LCHS Centurion. <laughs> no, that was the one before the FT4X concept, and I think 
I just don't think they make good names for their cars, their concept cars anymore. Whoever, what? whoever's being, whoever has to make names for cars in, or concept cars at Toyota is, uh, is really mailing it in. He's really phoning it in right now. <laughs> well, if you think about it though, like it, we, we talked about how Polestar One and all these alphanumeric names are so low effort. Those are for production cars. They actually have to sell. Once you get to the concept world, I mean, there's even less interest on the parts of the marketing team. They're like, oh, do we really have to name it? It's not, no one's. It's gonna be gone. We're gonna park it in a warehouse and then crush it within six years. Like this thing is just done. Do you think anyone is ever gonna care about the fine comfort ride? I can't believe it's called that. The fine comfort ride in in a year from now. I also I don't no first of all absolutely not but I also don't know why they call it the fine comfort ride because based on all the information they told us there's no information here that describes you know what makes it more comfortable than any other car How can you say that how can you say that cabin occupants will be greeted by purple <laughs> upholstery and futuristic blue LED lighting? Yes. Purple upholstery is this is a car fit for a prince. They should have just called then they should have called it the Toyota Prince or wait. They already have the Toyota Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then... Toyota like, Prince 2 Crown Edition! Yeah, exactly. Fine Comfort Ride Edition. <laughs> I, it, is it better that they didn't make an acronym? The FCR, I guess? I guess that's true. Yes, I will thank them for not making an acronym. <laughs> and other weird marketing things are, are found all throughout the, the industry. And now I found out that, well, you know, me and you, we... we when we talk about mainstream automakers, we've always, I think me and you have agreed that Mazda makes some of the coolest and most interesting vehicles in the, in the mainstream market. Is that right? I know you certainly feel that way. And I, I definitely agree with, feel I that agree way. with you in certain cases. And yes. I'm, I'm going to rope you into this conversation. <laughs> um, they, well, now we can finally, you know, we can finally embody their design language in a, in, in, in a, in a really interesting way. You see, Mazda has bottled up their design language into a perfume. So now finally, you can smell, yeah, finally, so now you can smell just like before the, Christmas too. Now you can smell like their Kodo design concept, which to me is what I've always been wondering uh, or wanting to do. Ever since I saw their design concepts, I want to smell like one. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like we were talking a, a few shows ago, a few episodes ago, about the Mercedes Benz moods yeah. the uh, the in-car perfumes mm -hmm. and and how down the how far down the rabbit hole you can go <laughs> with the marketing associated with that and i you know th this is saying that the fragrance wasn't even developed by mazda it was developed by a shiseido Corp company in japan and it's based around wood rose and leather ah my favorite three smells and, basically and the... it's a it's a romantic cowboy smell <laughs> Here, here, Sean, I've whittled you this wooden horse, and now... <laughs> Keep it together. I've... Um, I've always wanted to wear a pair of wooden chaps while carrying a rose. I think that, that would be their most romantic thing. Only authentic. You could... Yeah, totally authentic. But what's strange is, like, if you think about wood, rose, and leather, only one of those things is found in a modern Mazda. Yeah, that's true. Roses, when you take, it, when you take one to meet your, your date. Um, uh, the, the outer case is supposed to symbolize the Kodo design, and the outer case won them gold in Germany's IF Design Awards about a month ago, something I was completely unaware existed. The IF Design? Oh, it's if huge. IF Design. Is it huge? I, I'm assuming so if they decided to add it to this press release. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's no it's no total comfort draw in 2000. Um, I wonder how that would have done at the IF Design. It, it's It's not cheap, though. If you want this perfume, which is what it's called, what's it called again? 
Soul of Motion. Soul of Motion. It's $132. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm curious as to whether you'll be able to either order it as an option with a modern Mazda. Ooh. Or if you're able to get it as a gift if you buy a special edition Mazda. Because backing things up a little bit, earlier this week when Gran Turismo 7, is it, or Gran Turismo Sport? I can't remember what it, the latest version of Gran Turismo was. It's called released. Gran Turismo Sport, Ben. Come okay. on. Aren't you up to date with all of your Gran Turismos? I totally am not. I dropped out. I dropped out. Uh, here's the thing I, I bought a PlayStation 3 just so I could play Gran Turismo. I'm not going to do that for the new one. I'm not buying a PS4. I got to draw the line somewhere. But um, there was a package deal where you could buy the game and you would also get a Mazda Miata. Wait, what? Hold up, what? You didn't read about that? A actual Mazda Miata? Yeah, an actual Mazda. It was like a thirty-eight thousand dollar bundle. Why would I even would get... play the game if I had a Mazda Miata? <laughs> Why don't I just buy a Master Miata? Well, now you see why I'm not playing the game anymore. But it's <laughs> it's you get a you got the Miata, you got uh, the game. I think you got a PS4 console and you got some other stuff. They, they only sold one and there was only one available, which seems kind of weird. And I think the Mazda Miata came with like a unique sticker package to let everyone know you'd made an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I I think missed opportunities for Soul of Motion not being included in that bundle. Yeah, they should have gotten some. They should have gotten some scent as well, for sure. Because what? after you've been playing, you've been having a game session, like a fourteen-hour game session. You're gonna need some Mazda Soul of Motion perfume. And what other car companies, you know, could tap into this unmined vein of uh, scent? Oh my and... god, this bothers me so much. Do you, do you not see like the Hummer perfume or the Hummer cologne every time I go to like a, a department store? I see this Hummer or Mustang perfume, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to smell like that. That's messed up. Apparently Nissan made like Armada Armada branded perfume. Armada. Arm the Armada is a car that's based on a SUV, an off-road capable SUV. Am I wrong? Yeah. So what does it? What do you think it smells like? Like think it mud? Smells like, like dirt? Like mud and frustration and getting stuck? Like yeah. is that? <laughs> it smells like um, deflating your tires. To, so to and and trip. what? So so what other car companies have this rich heritage of perfume that they could be or cologne they could that they could tap into? Rich heritage like, of perfume. Let's see. What cars stink, right? Diesel cars always have their a particular smell. And performance a, a particulate cars. smell, in fact. A particulate and and uh, and performance cars usually smell like a number of things, be it clutch, tires, brakes. <laughs> <laughs> you can get actual burning rubber candles. I've seen those for sale. Oh man, that would choke me out. <laughs> I don't think I don't know if you're supposed to buy them from people you like or people you hate. It's it's not clear on the marketing. Um, I don't know. Like my if there were if if my Datsun came with a cologne, I think it would be exhaust fumes and unburned fuel. And I think you could only I think it would be the kind of perfume you could wear for like two or three seconds. Like you would spray it on. And then it would stay on you for like a week, and you could just never get rid of it. It would get in your hair, and like in the in the hairs inside your nose, and it would just be there forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that's true. Um, but yeah, that that was all some of the really interesting um, um, news stories that popped out this this week. But um, obviously, I'm delaying because I didn't really drive any cool cars. I was supposed to go to China to uh, to check out that Polestar, but some things fell through. Um, I don't think uh, anyone wants to hear about what you were supposed to do. Sammy. I know. I agree, Ben. So why don't you tell me what you <laughs> drove this week? Well, it's no Polestar one, but I actually drove two vehicles this week. I drove oh. a yeah, I know two. It's amazing. Uh, a Malibu Chevrolet Malibu hybrid and the new Chevrolet Malibu 
red line. Wow. So I think if Hold I think on, if wait, red wait, wait, wait I've got I've got to I've got to follow up my wow with some more exciting terms. Do you have a perfume for that for that wow? Well, we got, what's a red line? Is a red line is red line not the name that they use for Saturn's um, performance brand? Back yes, in the day? it is. It is good awesome. memory. What would a red line smell like? <laughs> well, it would smell completely opposite from a green line. That's for would sure. it smell like a like a speeding ticket that causes you to lose your license and then consequently your job and then probably ruins your relationship with your family and then you just end up alone on the street no ben what happened in this malibu that you tested <laughs> well nothing quite that dramatic and in fact the red line is really not that dramatic at all it's entirely an appearance package and it's an appearance package you can get across most of the chevrolet lineup uh, you can get a red line truck you can get red line i think you can get uh, red line suvs it, it, it on the Malibu, you get blacked out wheels, blacked out bow tie, you get red stripes on the wheels, kind of like Dodge's red stripes, which is a little, you know, um, patent patent violation, I think. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, all those wheels, they're called hash marks, the, the red marks anyway. They're 19 inch rims, you get a blacked out grill, and the weird thing is, it's only available on the, the uh, Malibu LT, which is like a fairly... I don't know, not a well-equipped version of the car. Like, it doesn't have... The run I'm driving doesn't have um, automatic climate control. It has cloth seats that are actually pretty nice. But compared to the hybrid, which is only available in one trim, it, the hybrid had, like, leather, automatic everything, a whole bunch of safety features and whatnot. So it just seems kind of strange that y you can't get any performance stuff to go with the Redline package, because Redline sounds exciting. Yeah, Redline does sound really exciting. And um, does... The trend continues. Is it only exterior? I I didn't quite catch your your interior take on this. Or no, there's there's, there's 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 nothing. There's nothing inside the. There's car. not even like red piping on the seats. No, there's like. no red piping. There's not a badge or anything like that. And it's weird. Is if you buy the red line package, you can't get the sport package. You're just you're that's just a, that's out. that's ironic. But you can. I'm looking now. You can get a red line cruise, a red line tracks, a red line traverse. Whoa, red line tracks. And the traverse, you can get the red line package on the top tier model. But uh, a lot of these, you can get it on the Camaro, um, you can get it on the Colorado and the Silverado. So redlining everywhere. Uh, I think it's their idea is to create a cohesive uh, cross-brand full lineup look for people who are really into Chevrolet. And it's not a bad-looking um, vehicle, but it's just, you know, I, I would have wanted – the car that I'm driving has the 1.5-liter turbo. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're in a car called the Redline, you want that two-liter turbo, mm -hmm. but the, which has 250 horsepower. But you can only get that with the Premier. It's a top trim uh, exclusive, so it's a little strange. Okay, so you've driven now. You you drove two engine uh, variations of the Redline. You drove the hybrid in this 1.5 turbo. Um, talk to me about the the Malibu in particular. Is it? Um... Well, the hybrid's pretty good. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's it's. I think you get something like 50 miles per gallon. Let me let me double check on that. That's pretty impressive. Sorry, yeah, it's 49 miles per gallon city and 43 highway, and you get about 182 horsepower from the the, the total system. It's okay. a four-cylinder engine with a single electric motor. It's uh, not that intrusive. The stop-start is it, it's really hard to it, it's not hard to tell when the engine's on, but it's hard to tell that you're on battery uh, in the sense that you you never really feel like when when you when you're just driving the car around, it's fairly transparent. When I noticed, I'm not really making sense here. Let me let me back up a little bit. 
the only times I really noticed the engine assisting was when I was stopped at a light and let's say I had the heater on or I was drawing too much power for some other reason, maybe all the lights are on in the car. The engine would come on in a mode that would, I guess, as a generator mm-hmm. and it it vibrated and I could feel it through the pedal and it was just, it, it was harsher than I expected. And I didn't notice that while I was driving around. When, when the engine's assisting the battery while you're driving, you don't get that feeling. But when you're sitting at idle, you do get that feeling. And it's weirder still because this version of the, the hybrid drivetrain is borrowed from the Volt in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And in the Volt, the Volt, you don't have that sensation at all. So, I'm sorry, you said that um, this car also makes 150 horsepower? 180, 182 horsepower. 182 horsepower. Okay. Did it ever, that's combined total power, right? That's, yes. that's everything. Okay. So, you know, we, me and you have actually had conversations about um, the Sonata hybrid, specifically the plug-in hybrid, but I think the the regular hybrid isn't far off that, and it makes a little bit more power. Can you relate the two those two hybrid sedans uh, in any the, way? The Sonata is a much nicer car. Okay. It's uh, and I say that not to disparage the Malibu. It feels like the in the Sonata hybrid you can specify a, a fair amount of luxury gear. Mm-hmm. The the touch surfaces feel nicer. The, the, you know. I'm in this hybrid model, and then I get into the red line, which is an LT model, and it has the same infotainment system and the same kind of cheap-feeling buttons for it. And that's a little bit of a letdown, I think, if you're going to be paying a substantial amount more. Uh, I think the difference in price between the hybrid and the um, LT is something like four grand or five grand. So it's not a small amount of money. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's, But, you know, the other thing about the car that I was thinking about driving it around is it's a comfortable car, it's it's a decent size, they fixed the back seat, which is, had been a problem in the previous version of the Malibu, but it's not engaging to drive, it's not like a Fusion, you okay. don't really feel like you want to push it, uh, and uh, the engine choices, like I said, you get the, the, if you're outside the hybrid world, you can only get the powerful 2 liter engine at the top tier, otherwise you're stuck with about 163 horsepower from a 1.5 liter engine. That's perfectly fine, but it's not exciting. Okay. Would you would you recommend? I mean, where who's this car for then? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's best in class. It seems quite a like. I mean, in terms of a plug-in, I mean, in terms of a hybrid, it seems a bit more affordable than than some. No. Well, it's. I I don't think that I think the hybrid and the non-hybrid are two very different vehicles. Oh okay. Um, just in terms of cost and market, I think the the non-hybrid. I mean, you're looking with that one and a half liter engine. It, this is a car that's going to go into rental fleets. It's a car that people who commute a lot will appreciate. Okay. Uh, it's a car where if you have a family and you, you need something bigger than a cruise, I mean, stepping up from a cruise to this, it's going to feel comfortable and familiar. Okay. So that that's what I would say. But like you, like you said, it's not necessarily – it's not best in class. It's kind of middle of the road. It, and it's, it's a good vehicle. But um, some of what I've been reading has been talking about how – you know, they finally have the best version of the Malibu they've had in a long time, mm-hmm. right at the point where everyone's buying crossovers and SUVs. Yeah, so it seems like it, dro- it seems like they dropped the ball. They can they can, they hit the right mark at the wrong time. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And uh, it's gonna be like that for more. It's it's kind of like you know you look at a company like Mazda with the Mazda Six, a car that absolutely no one buys, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with its merits. It just has to do with the fact that the market is looking elsewhere. Uh, the Ma- Nissan Maxima, another excellent car that few people are interested in because if you're gonna buy a car that size, typically at that point you're looking at an SUV. Interesting. Um, are there what are the 
when I've driven the the um, sorry the Malibu, I remember it having a very impressive interior. But you're telling me in this, um, you you might be telling me otherwise in this uh, lesser trimmed model. Well, I mean, the interior is fine, but it's not high end. Okay. And you can get. I haven't driven a premier version of the car. Maybe the interior is substantially better. But the the hybrid is has you know leather seats and a ton of options. So I'm assuming that that interior is similar to the premier, and it's it's fine, but it, it doesn't really um, it doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't make you feel like you're driving something special. All right. Well, in terms of driving something special, I understand that you're actually going to be doing that real soon. Uh, actually, both I, of us I think are going to be driving some pretty impressive cars. In the I am. Coming week. I am. But b- before we talk about that, this one last like oh, okay. thing I want to say about the Malibu. Take it away. So. Both the hybrid and the, the, the non-hybrid, they have GM's automatic engine start-stop system. And you cannot disable it. There's no button to do that. There's no menu option. It's it's there all the time. So that's frustrating for some people. And uh, my friend Ed Kim, who works for Auto Pacific, he came up with a solution for it. It doesn't work in the hybrid because the hybrid uses a CVT. But in the um, 1.5 liter turbo car, which uses a six-speed manual, if you shift the car, and this works in any Chevrolet that's not a hybrid, if you shift the car into low mm-hmm. and then use the button on the shifter to shift up to the top gear, which is in this case six, but you can go up to nine on some cars, it will turn off the automatic start-stop. And it will shift just like a normal transmission because that just limits what gear it'll shift to. It doesn't put you in that gear. Right. It's not It's not a manual transmission. It's, it's more for towing. So if you hate auto start-stop, shift to L, punch it up to six or nine, and you're good to go, and, it, and you just won't have to deal with it. That so sounds it's like a very like, wonky workaround. It's the Konami code of auto start-stop in Chevrolet products. When they should have just had a button. Well, I mean, it's 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 really not up to us to say what they should or shouldn't do, is it? Well, I think, well, I, I'm trying to be critical here. If this had a button, I'd use the button. <laughs> well, it does have a button. It's just a different button that does something else that's totally different, but gets, <laughs> it gets the same result. <laughs> All right. Okay, I think that, you know what, that was a pretty solid podcast, I've got to say, and I don't usually review our podcast on air, but hey, we did it right now. I'm totally um, cutting that part. Next week, uh, we're doing some really interesting stuff. This Actually, this weekend, I'm going to the West, I'm going to the West Coast, I'm going to drive some Mercedes-AMG products, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I think you're going to be doing, yes. Where are you driving them? We're going to be driving them on the Van, the Vancouver Island motorsport, motorsport circuit, um, which is uh, a small tight little track with uh, lots of elevation um and that should be a lot of fun with some of these high horsepower cars and what are you what are you aren't you doing something very similar you're you're driving uh, some pretty high performance cars well i'm going to the cadillac v performance academy on monday which is at spring mountain in nevada it's about an hour and a half outside of las vegas in a town called perump which you might know based on its fame for having a bunch of brothels and that's pretty much all that's there. There's that in the track. But the track is pretty awesome because the track is, I think, now the largest track in North America in terms of, you know, miles that you can drive. And they keep expanding it. It's it's, it's really incredible facility. Uh, and I'll be driving ATSVs and CTSVs going through Cadillac's two-day driver training program that comes for free with anyone who va- buys a V car. That is awesome. First of all, it's really cool that they have a standard uh, driving program for anyone who buys the car. I think that's awesome. That's super. That's exactly what that car, these cars kind of need. Um, and it allows people to understand what they bought, right? Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, and it's an experience that, you know, maybe 
maybe you'll never do again. Maybe you didn't buy your Cadillac to go on a racetrack, um, but here's a chance to do it and just see how it feels. Well, that's the other thing. You're not actually driving your Cadillac on the, on the track. No, right? you're driving yeah. their their vehicles. So that that's something that's definitely worth mentioning to to people who are interested in it. Um, yeah, and it's it's just, there's a lot of companies that have similar programs. I mean, uh, FCA does it with yeah. SRT, and Ford does it and, as well with the Raptor and the um, and the Focus RS, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. And Ben, I can't wait to talk to you about this next week. But for now, we're going to have to say goodbye. Um, before we do, let's add, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, I recommend you do it on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can find us in both of those services. And if you do subscribe to us on iTunes, Ben, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you can also find us at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com that has links to both of those services. Oh, yes. To make it easy, to make it easy for you, just go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and you can check, you can click on your platform of choice. Um, if you do subscribe to us in iTunes, take a moment, give us a review, some feedback that goes a long way. In fact, if you don't even say anything, just give us some stars. That's cool, too. I love stars. Um, when I was a kid, I had the most stars in um, the class, in the kindergarten class. There's an really unverifiable fun. claim. It, no, for sure. I, I, I wouldn't lie about that. Come on now. Um, in addition to that, if you want to get in touch with Ben or myself, I recommend get in touch with us through Twitter, um, although Ouija boards work too. Um, and our, our Facebook page works as well, Unnamed Automotive Podcast on Facebook. You can leave comments or you can message us there. So finding me on Twitter is a simple affair. You go to uh, Twitter, you type in at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Um, and finding Benjamin is uh, slightly, it's pretty much the same, but less fun. You just go to at Hunting Benjamin uh, and you'll find him there too, okay? No underscores in mine because I know not everyone has an underscore on their keyboard, and I, I wanted to reach the largest possible audience. I think that's a great point. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking to you all next week. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody.